Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our children, we're losing an entire generation. Now, today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects, undaunted by political correctness. Uh, we always hear from academics about glass ceilings and how capitalism keeps people down. The world isn't like that. In fact, it's much better. And today, we'll explore why this is part of the crime of the century. All right, so what is the glass ceiling that is often spoken about by academics? And I think one of the uh, principal papers on this comes from the 90s from an academic named uh, Jana Knoll. And she wrote about, it's called uh, White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. And there's a couple of keys here. One, Whenever they talk about structures and systems of power, they're always invisible, but only the academics can see them. Only the enlightened individuals can see them. And they don't necessarily explain it so much as point out anecdotal information that would lead someone to support it. For instance, she talks about how uh, the, the gender pay gap, and she talks about how you know women are paid less because it's this patriarchal system. You shouldn't be religious because, um, or the religion shouldn't be in schools, therefore, because it's just a system to keep women down. And so she cites the Bible passage about uh, women being subservient to men. Okay, so it's out of context. The the passage in the Bible she references is out of context, and not represented for what it means. And furthermore, to prove that there's some sort of patriarchal system, she says, she cites the, the famous study that's done. Well, that study didn't take into uh, account even different industries or different, it basically just said women between, uh, women and men are the same age, um, you know, men are paid this much more. Not, okay, what industry are they in? What position do they have? Um, how long have they been working at that job? None of the factors which could change that number. It was almost as if the study was done to prove, air quotes, the, the, the presupposition that a glass ceiling exists. Uh, you can also think about it as a scientist hypothesizing something, a scientist that assumes something is the way it is, and rather than try to disprove themselves, they are trying to prove themselves which means they are more likely to skew or leave out factors that may prove them wrong. Instead of saying, okay, I have this idea about how the world works and I'm going to prove that through science and scientific testing and if it turns out the science doesn't work that way, or if it turns out that I am incorrect, then I'll write about that at the end of the scientific paper. This is how it actually works. This is where I was wrong. This is my experiment. You can recreate it following this. This is basic high school stuff. Not even high school. This might even be junior high, middle school stuff. And when you do it with a, the idea of sociology is that you can take the scientific method and apply it to human culture and find out some facts about how humans respond to different events. Um, sometimes when 
uh, the U.S. is planning on either toppling a regime or going into a certain area, you could talk to sociologists about the different models. That was the idea about, okay, how is this populace going to react? How is, you know, all these different factors. So it could be very scientific, very calculated. But what it's become, it's almost all leftist, and it's become, instead of their worldview being based on truth, as in, okay, this, this is how, you know, we have our own political bias, biases really, and we're going to discard those and figure out what is true, what is not, to help improve ideological viewpoints, disprove others, and frankly just have a more mature way of looking at the world. Instead, it's like they say, okay, this is how I see the world, this is how it is, and I'm going to look for ways to prove that. And that's not scientific. And the idea of the glass ceiling is that, again, to, to tie this all back together and to make this point, the idea is that the glass ceiling is put in place to keep certain people in power, to, to make the, keep the rich wealthy and the poor poor. And it comes from Marxist ideology, which, said, which was invented by Karl Marx, which basically says that there are all these structures and power that we have to dismantle so that everybody is equal at the end of the day. It is a radical form of Sellianism, which we talked about way back and we'll probably hit again in a few uh, episodes. And the idea is that everyone has to be equal and you can do this through the power of the government by limiting human potential. What that creates, instead of equality and a, a utopia where everybody's wealthy, it creates a dystopia where everybody's poor except for those in government because you need so much bureaucracy to limit the ability, the, the free person, the person that is inherently free, to succeed. And what I mean by that is that value, we often forget that, that life in general has value and that there is an inherent dignity in being a human being with the ability to think, with the ability to rationalize and the ability to even come to any conclusion. That's what separates us from the animals is the animals just, it's instinct. For us, it's not, we can, we can describe instinct itself. And I'm, I'm not sure that I'm making that a pivotal point as much as it, as, as it should be. That's why we have been able to perpetuate because we can actually rationalize and think and view the universe in different terms, be it mathematics, science, and even justify it through religious aspects. To wipe that all away and boil it down to what is, what can be seen, denies the fact that there is a human spirit, a human element to life, that there is something that makes us persevere. There is something that we can accept as our potential, which in potential is basically the ideal self. If I had my druthers, if I could be anything, this is my potential. This is how I can, and then go create that. That ability is really only found in human beings. I don't know what, I don't know, ask your dog maybe, but I don't know 
what creature sees its sees its future long term, not immediate, long term future, and then goes and materializes it. And that's where money comes from. And the value that you create for somebody else, which is not tied to the actual dollar, the value that you create for someone else, which again, only they can determine that value. That's why you talk about, and especially business, you talk about markets and, and different. Market is a term for people who would buy your thing, people who value it, people who would trade, again, a $10 bill for it, a piece of cloth that says you now have the ability to do something. That, that, that value is true freedom because you have the ability to create, pay attention to that word, create that value of your own fruition. And the government should stay out of your way because you know how to take your potential and utilize it or don't to your best ability. And that is why the US strives ahead of China and for a relative future India because we don't have a government that clamps down and says because so-and-so somewhere far off uh, doesn't want to work you have to give up the value that you've created. And the beauty of working with your hands and being able to be a, a, a free uh, a free man or a free woman, whatever, um, is that that value you create, you can then reinvest in that potential. So if you want to I don't know, build a, build a, 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 a library in an in underprivileged neighborhood. You can set that target, set that goal, whatever is gnawing at you to create, and then work your way backwards. Okay, we need funding. Where do we get the funding? Do we build a business and then use those profits to invest back in that, in that library? Do we uh, call politicians? Do we call other business owners who have made it, who also share the same beliefs? And that's where progress comes from. Not the idea of, okay, I've made it, I'm in this secret society, I'm in the Illuminati, and now I'm going to keep everyone down. That is for tyrants. The only structure which keeps people down is the government, is bureaucracy. And it's bothersome when we know that academics are telling us the opposite. They're telling us you have no future, you're limited, something else is bothering you. Instead of saying, Okay, you can create value to the point where people think that you're a hero. And what I mean by that is we can understand that life is not, you can't understand life, certainly not to the point that, that God would understand it, but there are things, there are things that we understand and things that we don't. And to take an aspect of life that you care about or be it a social issue, cultural, um, an economic issue, something that you take a hold of and you gain so much knowledge in that field that you can make connections maybe even to others and you start to walk through that underbrush and you start to clear a path and you start to, if you're at the bottom, climb that social structure or, or make something that is greater than yourself, again, creating value. Well, isn't that the definition of a hero? You look at, take Jesus Christ, for instance, and we have no un, 
biased sources of him. So we're going to use a religious aspect. Okay, why are we here? Why, why, are we, why do we want to be good and yet we're not good, right? That's a question in life. That's, that's a, a ponderous question and the human mind will say, well, there's a debate. Are we born good or are we born bad? Well, the human mind will say, it's part animal. We're, we're depraved. We're going we're gonna to do what we have to to survive. We're going to uh, do this horrible thing. We're going to, you know, murder and steal and cheat and all this stuff. That's bad, okay? But can we be better than that? Can we transcendentalize the animal kingdom? And you take the, the, the parables and the teachings of, 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 of Jesus and he... In essence, when you boil it down, was able to, if you think about it, um, like walking through underbrush, he was essentially able to create a boardwalk and a straight line of, okay, to get to where you want to go, this is how you do it. You know, you should not kill, you should not, um, you, you should not pray to any other god, uh, don't bear false witness. That's more Moses, but how do we live that? Right? So Jesus shows us through the parables how to live that. And for many, including myself, he becomes a hero figure, a almost mythical figure. You look at, for instance, um, to make it more historical and grounded, you look at George Washington. Okay, what does he embody? What, how did he set the tone for presidents after him? How did our founding fathers create this nation? And why? Well, we know that they were under tyrannical provisions by the English government. They were mistreated. Soldiers could sleep in your house and there was nothing you could do about it. There were excessive taxation on imports and exports. You could only buy British tea, which was very expensive. You couldn't, you didn't have freedom of competition. You didn't have, you had a mercantilist system, not a capitalist system. And okay, how do we, and we tell stories about our founding fathers, and this is, this is key, how do we, for ourselves, perpetuate that goodness because we know how good liberty is because we have lived it. Okay, so we tell stories about our founding fathers about what they did, and some of it's been, become myth, and you know, you kind of get that mystique of a hero, and you look, you look at Washington and it's, he takes people who believe what he believes so deeply that they're willing to take up arms against a much more powerful, much more well-financed military and just stay alive until they could actually defeat what against all odds seems like they couldn't, especially in the early years of the war. And when he becomes a president and uh, almost a decade later, he, Washington, then sets the precedent, okay, a president is not a king. Why is he, how is he not kingly? Well, first, he doesn't die in office. Washington was already old by the time, not very old, he was older by the time he was president. And he knew if he took a third term, he would probably die in office. So rather than run for re-election and obviously get elected again, he decided, you know what, I'm gonna step down after just two terms and that would be the procedure. Now FDR broke it, but it eventually became law. Okay, so that clearly distinguishes himself from the other rulers of the day. And the ability 
again, he was just a general. The ability to do that, to go from being a man to being a myth in a, in a good way. I don't mean a myth as in it's all fabricated. I mean a myth as in people write stories about you, people want to emulate you, people want to be like you because you embody traits, you embody change that people want to see in their own ideal self. And that is available to everybody who can create, who can make value, who can make a difference. You become that hero figure. So to tell, to wrap this all up, to tell young students, to tell this country's potential that there is some sort of system that's keeping you down without any evidence. We went over that. There is no evidence that any of those structures exist outside of anecdotal evidence, which in many cases can and has been disproven. We realize that everything becomes ideology and, and the viewpoint of these academics is not truth and science and the empirical nature on which this country was founded or even biblical principles on which it was founded. Again, going back to that, those hero myths of what we can embody and has been replaced by just have fun, at some point you'll die and you know try to destroy the system. You'll destroy the country if, 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 that's, if that's your end goal. And really, I don't think that these academics even want this country the way it is anymore. And that's a problem because they are taking the raw potential of the youngest minds of, of, of every generation and putting limits on it and saying, something else is in your way. You can't, you can't do it. Nothing's your fault. Stay the way you are. All the things that create laziness, that create the inability to create, to manifest, to change, to do all of the things that we want to do. And that is a problem. But I want to leave this on uh, something I read recently about ideology. And this comes from, uh, this again comes from Jordan Peterson, one of my favorite modern, actually scratch that, my favorite modern thinker. Um, and I say modern in the um, 20th century up. And his quote about ideology is that the it's good in the sense that, and this comes from Maps of Meaning, ideology is good in the sense that it allows you to essentially create for yourself the ideal figure. Okay, I'm part of this ideology. Let's take, um, let's take the Marxists, the communists. And okay, what do they want to create? Well, they want to create a utopian where everyone is equal and, and uh, there is no more poverty, there's no more suffering. All right, what would that look like as a human being? That would be somebody who doesn't have too much money I would assume somebody who is generous, although not necessarily. That would be somebody who does their work in the world, but attaches no meaning outside of themselves to it. There is no reason that they are working other than to be productive for the state. And then it's also someone who would give themselves wholly to the state. All right, fine. Well, not everyone's going to fit. Even the communists won't fit to that ideal self. And so the 
ideology creates frustration because people aren't always going to live up to that, even the good people. But it does allow you to say, this is a bad person, this is a good person. But it turns out when you talk to somebody and actually really go deep on the human being themselves, the mask ideology comes off and they become an individual with their own experiences, which means this. Ideology is good insofar as it allows you to understand the world, but it cannot be the center point of your worldview. Because if it is, you'll start to hate people and try to put them in categories that they don't belong in or don't subscribe to, and it allows you to do things. Well, let's take the most prominent example, like the Soviet Union. Why did they kill 20 million people? 20 million people wouldn't fit in their little ideological box. So they just had to kill everyone who didn't. That's why those things happen, and that's the danger and the crime of the century. <laughs>